Welcome to Confessions of an Obese Child. This is a podcast that deals with early childhood trauma, disordered eating, binge eating, and more. We discuss self-loathing, triggering to binge eating, and then many post-weight loss topics like survivor's guilt, the body positive movement, and more. And we interview formerly overweight children as well. So please join us for another episode of Confessions of an Obese Child. Hello, everybody. This is Gregory, and welcome back to another episode of Confessions of an Obese Child. I hope you're doing well today. I just returned from a trip to Washington State. It's hot in Texas, and I like to go places that are cooler in the summer. And so I typically go to Canada or New England in the summer, but Canada is closed for non-essential travel. So I went up to Washington State. I didn't stay any time in Seattle because I had been there three years ago. And everything was still in lockdown over there. Over here in Texas, everything's open now. But over in uh, the lib states like uh, Washington, uh, Seattle was closed. So I spent time in the Olympic Peninsula. I was only there like four or five days. It was quite nice. I love Washington State in that you get that combination of mountains and water. And there's just so much water there. And in Texas, aside from the coast, which is not that attractive, we don't have a lot of water. And the other great thing was it was only 60, 65 degrees is the high. So I did some hiking. It was quite nice. But now I'm back in Texas. Today we're going to talk about an uncomfortable subject. We're going to go back to probably around episode 18, back when I was talking about my childhood, where I talked about suicide and suicidal ideation and cutting. And in that episode, if you haven't listened to it because perhaps you're new, to the feed, uh, at my apex of my weight gain, I was probably about 280 pounds at 15, size 54, 56 waist. And uh, that was an oblique, bleak time. I mean, I, I had so many rashes. I had to get my mom to apply baby powder to my genitalia every day. How embarrassing was that? And of course, I had no interaction with women. I was getting picked on, called Fat Albert, and all the things I talked about in the previous episode. It was a bleak time. So I cut, and I considered killing myself. Later, I, I had medications and pills, but I couldn't do it. Largely because of my faith, I think, or the fear of going to hell. And I really haven't talked about it since then, but uh, I do have I do have moments of suicidal ideation. I do. And I'm, I want to be honest uh, with you guys, because I feel like this whole feed is about authenticity and honesty and it's not like it waxed and waned much from my adulthood after I went to college I lost my weight my senior year in high school and then I went to college and then I met my ex-wife and during the time we were engaged slash dating slash married I really didn't have it till the end and then I had some really bad insomnia which unfortunately has beleaguered me uh, since that time and I had some very bleak moments. When you have really bad insomnia, and back then at the end of my marriage, I was getting 30 minutes a day, an hour a day of sleep. It's just, you feel the heart palpitating. Uh, it's just horrific. It's a horrific time. And uh, during my divorce and separation, uh, it was it was tough. It was tough. And I think with me, my suicidal thoughts... And let me clarify really quickly. I am not suicidal right now, so there's no reason to call the cops or anything like that. Uh, I have moments of ideation, but ideation is not the same thing as actually doing it. I would not take my life. And the simple reason I wouldn't take my life is because I have children and it would F them up forever. 
So you don't have to worry about me taking my life. I'm just here to tell you like about my weaker moments and about how it's not abnormal to ideate over this stuff. Doesn't mean you shouldn't. If any of you are thinking of actually doing it, you need to contact a professional immediately. But I'm just here to talk about my personal my personal struggles. And so after the divorce, I met my ex fiance and um yeah, I didn't I didn't really have it. So I only, I only had it at that point at the end of my uh, marriage. And then uh what happened was uh during my during my ex fiance during our engagement, um I had my kids one one night and I took him to a burger place and then my ex wife showed up with some biker dude, some dude in tats. And I, and I just kind of freaked out because I've always been kind of neurotic in nature. You know, people who are analytical, talk a fast, they tend to be neurotic. And so that night, and this was four years ago, that night I couldn't sleep because I thought that this man, this biker, this biker guy was going to be around my kids, influencing my kids, maybe raising my kids. I didn't know what kind of relationship my ex-wife was having with him. And so it got in my head. And so what happened was I couldn't sleep that night, the whole night. And so after that, the insomnia never went away because it was always the fear of the next night not being able to sleep. And that's what would keep me anxious all day and all night. And eventually, of course, this guy left I think my wife, I think he probably recognized the kids when I took them to this burger place. So he called her to come over to kind of like, you know, rub it in or something like that. And so what happened was the insomnia didn't go away and it, and it perniciously and deleteriously affected my my relationship with my ex-fiance to the point where we broke up over it. I couldn't, I couldn't sleep. I was going two, three months of 30 minutes to two hours of sleep a day, and that stuff makes you crazy. And, uh, you know, we had a newborn child, which didn't help because I thought I was always hearing her all night, and and it reached the point where I felt like I had to sleep in another room. And I think I talked about this and how, I think I talked about in the episode on, or maybe it was, it was a blog entry on the Sleep Insomnia Chronicles. I think I had talked about this. And, uh, yeah, I was, you know, when you, when you get that amount of little sleep, you can't drive, you can't function. I was working still, but um, nothing makes sense in your head. And all that makes sense is I need sleep or I'm going to die. Because literally you can die from insomnia. And I knew the studies. The studies are clear. The less sleep you get, if you have chronic insomnia, you have a higher a higher rate of of death, shorter life expectancy, high rate of getting cancer and infections and heart disease and strokes and all these things like this. And so that wouldn't help. And I knew it was destroying my relationship. I was sleeping in on a, essentially a cot in another room. And my ex-fiance didn't want to have a life of living with a man who wouldn't sleep with her. And of course, I was saddened by the fact that she didn't stand by me. And just realized that this was a phase. And we broke up. And then a month later, she met a new dude. And um, she's going to marry him in September. Even though we have a child together. So it's it's very difficult. So that doesn't help. But uh, what happened later on was 
eventually the sleep got better. And, uh, you know, this was four years ago, but I deal with it every day. You know, my I have such a ritualized sleep habit. And I talk about this over in Holistic Health News on the two or three episodes I have on insomnia. I think it's like episode 25 and episode 60. And uh, it's so it's so ritualized. Like I have to take a walk. I have to take my knees. I have to do this. My my hands have to be in the same right place. I have to have the fan on. I have to have white noise. The thermostat's got to be. T- I mean, just all this neurotic crap. But you know, years went on, and and I was able to to survive. Right, you just take it day in, day out. And uh, but what really happened was when my I found out my ex fiance was moving in with her fiance, it was, it was a struggle because at that point, uh, our daughter, who's now three, uh, was going to be living with a man that wasn't her father and was going to be raised essentially by a man that wasn't her father because in Texas, our, our custody agreements are alternating weekends, right? That's, that's standard. So I see my daughter four nights a month and this guy was going to see her 27 days a month. And to exacerbate things, he is an atheist. He's a militant slash atheist slash agnostic slash I don't care about religion, whatever you want to call it. And so it's diametrically opposed to me because I am a religious person and I'm a conservative and, and so forth. And so she picked somebody who was diametrically opposed to me in every way. And so this really got on me to the point where a friend was worried about me and called the cops that I was going to hurt myself. And I got hospitalized. And the thing about this was hospitalization doesn't do crap because all they do, and I I was at a nice place. It wasn't like a, I wasn't like a nice place. I should say it wasn't, I wasn't like at the state hospital, like, like one flew over the cuckoo's nest kind of thing. I was a private place and believe me, it's private because you get the bill later on. So I was there two, three days, and I was trying to, to convince the psychiatrist there that my friend overreacted and so forth. Because when the cops come, you know, you tell them over and over, I'm not going to hurt myself, I'm not going to hurt myself, but they don't, again, they're thinking about their own liability, and they're thinking about ostensibly your health. So they're going to take you in no matter what. So I was handcuffed to put in a cop car. I didn't really have a choice. And so when you're there, you know, I was with meth addicts, coke addicts, drug addicts, schizophrenics. They all put you in the same wing. It's not like they have, uh, you know, this is the suicide wing and this is the I'm hearing voices. No, no, they just mix everybody in. And so what you're doing the whole time is there's group sessions. You sit around, you listen, and uh, most of the people there put on very strong psychotropic drugs, most of them for, for the drug withdrawal. And you just sit there and you just sit around and then there's smoke breaks every hour. So people are just dying to go outside because they're all hooked on cigarettes. And uh, you just pass the time and it's just a complete waste of time. And then you sleep in a room with four other people. Everybody stinks. You can't shower without supervision. It's just because they're worried you're going to do something. And uh, it's just horrible. And what what I realized from there, I think what's the most horrible thing, because you always kind of, I wouldn't say you idealize uh, hospitalizations, but you think, okay, if you're ever hospitalized, they'll fix you. No, they don't. All they do is dope you up on strong drugs, and then eventually they have to release you. And to worsen the matter, you get released, and then you get a bill, a thousand, five thousand, ten thousand dollar bill for these places. Complete nonsense. So I call the billing office, and like I was not, I didn't choose to be admitted. Like some of the the meth addicts there, alcoholics. They chose to be admitted or their family admitted them. I was like, I was not 
chosen. I shouldn't have to pay this. They're like, yeah, we don't care. So now I'm paying a hospital bill. And so what, what, what's the sad thing is they can't fix you. You know, so you can be put on antidepressants. The antidepressants typically don't work. We have we have we have episodes of that over at Holistic Health News, aside from the placebo effect. And then they have tons of side effects like suicidal ideation, which is the irony of it all, weight gain, sexual dysfunction. And you know, you realize that there's really no there's really no help. There's really no help for suicidal ideation. Because no one can help you. You get hospitalized, yeah, okay. They put you on a watch like Jeffrey Epstein. But that's it. That eventually they have to release you. You know, you I guess theoretically you could be in these places 20, 30 days, but then you're going to be paying $50,000 bill. Good luck on that. And believe me, these people in here were not rich. So then what what do I realize? I just have to let go and realize that another man's raising my child. There's nothing I can do about it. That my insomnia screwed up my life. That my insomnia continues to screw up my life. Insomnia is not going to go away. It's it's a cross I have to bear. And really, the only thing that keeps me going is my faith. Because my faith in two ways. My faith in that if I kill myself, I'll go to hell. That's the, the traditional Catholic view. And I know there's mitigating circumstances to that. And you might not go to hell because you... You're not, you don't have your full senses. But the main reason I don't is because I have children. I have young children, and it would just totally F them up. So suicide ideation is, is there. It, it, it waxes and wanes. It's not always the same strength, but it's always there. And I, and I feel because of the insomnia, and I live alone, and you know I have friends, but I, I just feel like if I wasn't around, no one would care. My kids have either, both of their mothers have either a fiancé or a serious boyfriend that could just replace me. And believe me, they would, that's what they would want. Neither of them would cry a tear if I were to die. That doesn't help either. But it's just my faith, you know, and there's times where I, I question my faith. It's like, oh, do I believe in the in the, the bearded man in the sky who I've never seen, who I've never seen any proof of and you know, I go through those moments, especially in the middle of the night where I'm screaming because I can't sleep, crying, sleeping, crying and screaming. But it is what it is. You know, I, I don't know how to remedy these things. Yeah, I get sunlight. Yes, I get exercise. Yeah, You know, I do all the things that 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 are that are helpful for depression. Uh, but ultimately, I, I live with a lot of guilt that my kids don't have their father. And I know these women think that their kids don't need a father, like any man that they're dating will do. But I, I deal with a lot of guilt every day. And I don't know, and I don't think the insomnia is ever going to truly go away. So every night's a struggle. Like the favorite time of my day is dawn. Because it's the farthest from night. And as the day creeps on, there's this pending doom that comes every night. And it's rinse, lather, repeat. 
So, I mean, I, I hope this episode helps some of you guys who go through this. And if you don't go through it, God bless you. You're so fortunate not to have to deal with, with paralyzing and neurotic insomnia and suicidal thoughts. And I, I, and I want to be very clear. I'm not suicidal right now, nor would I ever take my life because of my children. I just wanted to share this story with you because I talked about it 40 episodes ago when it was, you know, 30 years ago or whatever. And, um, you know, it went away, right, for decades. So that's not to say it can't go away here. I think the key is two things. One, figuring out the insomnia. And the drugs don't work, right? The drugs have side effects. And the studies showed they only give you seven or eight more minutes of sleep. And then the next day you feel zonked out because of the drugs are so heavy. So the drugs don't work. Drugs don't work. So it's just something that I have to deal with. You know, there's an old Catholic belief of bearing your cross, taking your cross, and which means whatever suffering you have is good because it brings you closer to God and it brings you closer into the suffering that Christ went through so we could go to heaven. And it's a very Catholic view that in the secular world you just don't see anymore. And so that's the kind of the way I try to look at it. Just I'm, it brings me closer to Christ. And I mean, that that's all I have. You know, I have my faith, and I just have to pray that God will care for me. And I just have to let go and let God, and that's it. You know, and just perder, endor. Day in, day out, and just pray it gets better. And I want you guys to understand, look, if any of you are seriously going through this, contact a mental health person or even even the police. Uh, because if this is something that you can't deal with on your own or your family and you can't help, uh, then you need, you need the intervention. Uh, like I said, for me, it's the thought of my children not having their father that keeps me from doing it. It keeps me from doing it because I did know... I did know people uh, whose parents killed themselves and they were just a wreck. They were a wreck because of it. Because the way kids internalize it is mommy and daddy either didn't love me enough or they killed themselves because of me. You know, it just screws them up so much. So that, that's that's the thing that, that keeps me from seriously ideating. So I wanted to do this episode just so you understand. It kind of go full circle for the last, you know, from since episode 17 when I was 17 or so. Uh, for the last 30 years and just go look it's human it's human to feel this way sometimes and it's okay if you feel bad it's okay but just understand don't do it get life is a gift from god it's not our place to take our lives and even when times are bleak and i've had very bleak times uh, we have to endure. You know, there's an old Catholic kind of th- thinking about taking up your cross, meaning that any type of suffering you have, either mental or physical, let's say you have horrible pain, uh, you offer it up to Christ because it brings you closer to Christ because Christ suffered so much for us uh, So when he died so we could go to heaven. And so by you suffering, it gets you closer to the uh, the the suffering that he did for us. And and so 
that's one way you can look at it. It's like offer up your suffering uh, to God and just let it bring you closer to God. And I think maybe that helps if you're religious. You know, if you're not a religious person, honestly, I don't know how how people deal with suicidal ideation who are atheists. I really don't know because the pillar of strength for me is my faith. And yeah, I sometimes vacillate in weaker moments of whether or not God exists or there's a personal God or and Christ exists. Uh, but as an atheist, I just don't know how people would do it. I really don't know how they would do it. But I just wanted you to kind of know my past when it comes to this, my deals with insomnia, um, and because uh, nobody has a rosy life, you know, very few people do. And I've I've had loss, and I've made mistakes personally, and and I've suffered from the decisions that other people have made as well. And we are where we are. And so, if this episode brings you any help or insight, uh, that's great. And um, just say a prayer every day and just, we have to, like I said, we have to endure and just take one day at a time and, and pray for, pray for, pray for help, pray that things will get better. And uh, I, I pray that things will get better for, for you guys. And, um, and I pray that my insomnia will one day go away. And um, I pray that, that my guilt about not being around my kids will one day go away. And, uh, yeah, so that's all I have to say, guys. Go check out the websites, Naturopathic Earth. And uh, if you want to help us out in any way, buy Confessions of an Obese Child, which is a paperback or Kindle book about my childhood. and It's, it's the trauma grown up fat. Then I have Revelations of a Weight Loss Warrior, which is a book about uh, how to lose weight and keep it off for 30 years. And if you want to donate money to defray the cost of the website and podcast, you can donate. There's a PayPal link in the episode notes. And then if you need some one-on-one coaching or, or talking to somebody about weight loss, uh, there's a Clarity FM link. And as always, we have three podcasts here. The other ones are Holistic Health News, and we just did one on um, Motrin causing over, Motrin overdose, a Tylenol overdose causing hospitalizations, and we just did one on... Um, Oh, hair dyes causing breast cancer. It's all happy stuff. And then over at the Essential Oils and Herbal Apothecary, we just did one last week on the nine best oils for cleaning and for insomnia. So go check those out. Until next time, take care. God bless. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to another episode of Confessions of an Obese Child. If you'd like to reach us, find us at our Facebook page, Naturopathic Earth Radio and Holistic Health News. Until next time, take care. 